This is the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On the Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business, what's going on in technology, and what's possible for business. We've been talking about anonymity in the last couple podcasts and what does it take to become anonymous in the digital age and with our digital technology and with the technology and how it tracks us and fingerprints. You are involved in one way or another with the Craigslist killer. Can you can you talk us through what that was, how technology caught up with him and what exactly your part in that was? Yeah, certainly. Well, first of all, I wasn't the Craigslist killer and I never met him or know him. Well, thank <laughs> so, you for clarifying yeah, that. Um, but at the time, I was CTO of a technology company that was basically allowing, you produce tools to help people understand how things moved about the internet and what IP addresses were doing what and all these different things. At the time, you know, this stuff is, is growing exponentially every year, uh, this technology that we're talking about. But one of the things that this person did was use Craigslist. And they got IP addresses and they got lists of who accessed IP addresses and looked at what ads and things like that and got that information and then used some of our tools to help pinpoint where these IP addresses were. Now, we didn't invent technologies that, that like the geolocation stuff, but our tools made that easy to use. Mm-hmm. So you could go and type an IP address in and find out where that was. Most IP addresses are fairly static. Now, you know, with a mobile IP address, it's a little different because right. you, you'll have a cell tower attached to it, you know, yeah. and that doesn't really help anybody. But your cell provider knows which IP address you had and when. Mm-hmm. So when you take all that and put it together, they could find out where this IP address was. And over a few weeks, they were able to determine where it was and what it was doing. Mm-hmm. And most computers that are doing something are controlled by a human and it happened to be that person. And that allowed them to identify that mm-hmm. person. So, you know, it's it's not terribly difficult to correlate these things. If you think about movies we watched as kids where you would see the uh, the tracker in the forest tracking somebody. And they'd see the footprint. Yeah. And it matched the boots that the guy was wearing in the murder mystery. Well, that's all we're talking about now. Is we have the IP address. You went to this. You read this ad. You were at this location where the... Your, your phone checked in with the cell tower yeah. and you were there at the time the person was allegedly killed. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really hard to argue with. Yeah, yeah. And then we have this history of your web browsing based on Craigslist's IP addresses and all the different things. Mm-hmm. And you looked at this ad and you looked at this ad. 50 years ago, if you got in your car and drove downtown and did something, people would have seen you. Right. Usually people lived in a small town. Sure. They'd observe you. Oh, yeah, that, that's Jacob's car. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know him, and I saw him walk into the building, and somebody was killed in that building mm-hmm. in the same hour that he walked into. Well, it would certainly make you a suspect. We just have a lot more footprints now. You know, and we might have seen your footprint, you know, walking through the wet sure, cement. Sure. Okay, we have Jacob's boot print there. Right. You know, and the fact of the matter. But, you know, your boot print is one thing. A eyewitness is better. I have these boot prints with all this internet data that give me the ability to understand where you are and what you were doing. I, you know, I hope that it's not there's some clandestine, you know, government agenda to wipe out all the people who don't like basketball, you know, or what, whatever silly right, thing you right. want to say. But, you know, there's all these conspiracy theories and ideas and different things like that. And 
I would like to think that it's all pure and, you know, milk and honey kind of stuff going on that they basically just want to sell you things. Sure. Get you to give us more of your money. And that I think is true. They definitely want us to give us opportunities to spend our money. Yeah. That's why advertising works. That's what the, the whole thing makes Google go around is advertising. And some can say, as I've said before, and I have a friend who's interested in boats and he loves to see boat ads and boat related material ads as opposed to, you know, lawnmower ads. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, what do I want to see lawnmower ad for? Right, right, right. I live in an apartment. I don't need to mow my lawn. You know, what's the deal? You know, so, (laughs) so that is a benefit, but there is that underlying, you know, undercurrent of saying, well, nothing you do is anonymous nowadays. You know, when somebody commits a crime, can we get that data to help us prove that they did that crime? That's a real interesting question. So in the case of the Craigslist killer, you guys were able to do that, right? Yeah, it wasn't us doing it. it was They used our some of our tools okay. uh, on our product. Some of the investigators used those tools to get an understanding of where he was at what times. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sensational. Yeah. But it illustrates the fact that the data is out there and with a warrant... You can pretty much find out anything about sure. somebody. It's fascinating what you can find out. Yeah. Or if you want to break the law. You know, right. if, if you're willing to break the law, you can find out anything about somebody. Hmm. There's this shift over the past few years of the, the majority of hacking that's done, uh, criminal hacking, is to get access to people's personal information so that they can steal money from them or use that money, right. use that credit card, and all, fraud, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and those aren't attacks on a person. Those are attacks on a corporation's database. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've, give, you've given Amazon your credit card numbers. Now, Amazon is, like, over the top on security. And they say that they've never been hacked. Some people say, well, they've never disclosed that they've been hacked. But regardless, you've never heard, you know, like the Target breach or the Verizon breach right. or the I'm Sony so breach right. or, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. You've never heard anything like that about Amazon. But the fact of the matter is, is that there seems to be this, oh, you know, don't use the Internet. You're going to get hacked. Well, all of the credit cards I have, all the bank accounts I have, have insurance on them sure. that is provided with them. I didn't have to go buy it, that I am not liable for any fraudulent charges. Mm-hmm. So what's the problem? What's the problem? Just last week, I tried to use my Discover card out for dinner and... It came back declined. Well, that's weird. Hmm. You know, I, I pay my bills right on time. So I paid with another card and called Discover. And they said, oh, there were 100, 168 authorizations attempted for a dollar apiece over the past day. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. I, and it was through PayPal. So somebody had gone to a PayPal form, not logged in, but said you can become, you know, you can join PayPal and pay with your credit card typed in my accurate credit card number and tried to get it authorized. Hmm. And I don't know what happened, but it either failed or it went through or it didn't. But I talked to Discoverer and they looked into it and they immediately canceled the card and they said, oh, don't worry, you're not liable for any of the fraudulent charges. So somebody either got that credit card number or guessed it. I mean, it's only 16 digits, you know, and the, the first eight are usually the same. You know, so it's not that terrible to figure out that I could guess it. Discover did their job and locked the card. Yeah, yeah. You know, so what's what am I out of? You know, what's the problem here? Yeah, I was inconvenienced, but you could say, gee, 
they stole that from Amazon. Well, mm-hmm. they might have, or they might have just guessed the number. Yeah. Because they didn't use my name. They used uh, Sandy Simpson. They typed that name in to huh. try and activate it. And they used that over and over and over again. I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, so yeah. it probably wasn't. It was probably some sort of bot doing it. Now, if they had used my name, it would have been evidence that they stole it. Yeah. Because that correlated piece of information rather than just guessing the number. So I don't, I don't understand that, you know, and you, you know, make sure you go to a bank that you say, you know, if somebody gets my bank account number and withdraws all my money, what, what happens? Yeah. Understand that before it happens. And yeah. if, if that bank doesn't have a good answer, there's a bank next door that probably has a better answer. For entrepreneurs, are there any avenues or frontiers for the anonymous category of user interfacing with the internet that are unexplored or possibilities to be explored? Well, I think one of them, you know, Bitcoin was sort of represented as a way to use anonymous spending mm-hmm. money. It turns out it's really not anonymous because of the way the blockchain is and you can just trace things back. Yeah. In some ways, with Bitcoin, you need to say, well, where's the flying cars? You know, I mean, it did, didn't happen. There are other proposed cryptocurrencies that may solve that problem sure. of truly anonymous uh, right. things. We Re- talked about those in previous episodes. Right. You know, remember, cash is relatively anonymous. Yeah. They could scan the money and find out that you were the source of it by recording the serial numbers they give you. But you could give it to somebody. Yeah. And they could give it to somebody and they could give it immediately, you know. Yeah. It becomes very difficult to trace. So entrepreneurial opportunities, there is a lot of opportunity in providing a semblance of anonymity of what one might think is anonymous but it's largely all smoke and mirrors so it's largely an elusive category it is it is i mean there are people who want to do all these things like you know in in the web browsers you have this private browsing sure all that does is doesn't sustain cookies between sessions Mm -hmm. practically is really what it does but it still presents your fingerprint Sure. Now, uh, a, an opportunity would be to have something that would skew the fingerprint. Mm-hmm. You know, just lie and say, I've got all these fonts. I'm using this browser. I'm using all these right, different right. things. So there, I think there's some opportunities there. And there was a clever idea where <laughs> these guys were really upset with ads showing up on websites. So they built a browser that in the background clicked on every single ad. <laughs> that is brutal because up until now, Clicking on an ad was either a mistake, you just randomly clicked, or it showed you some interest right. that could correlate to your fingerprint. Well, and I've heard that the reverse of that is if you, by having an ad block on your web browser, it's presented as an ethical concern because ads are how the website is paying for itself to sure. exist in front of your face. Right. And so you're ethically violating the terms of the website. But that's, I've never heard that before, that basically they reversed it rather than blocking yeah. the ads. They clicked on all the ads. Well, because then it becomes useless. Sure. Because now we don't know what people are interested or not interested in. Right. And that's that's nasty. I mean, you know, from a, from a marketer, internet marketer, that's a brutal thing to have happen to you. Yeah. And the systems are not designed to deal with that. Yeah. So the problem would be is it does make the data useless, but it would indicate that you're really interested in a lot of things. Because mm-hmm. the systems aren't built to deal with that. So so th- that's an opportunity. You know, the ad blockers are an opportunity. But like you say, the point of the ads is so that the people who are presenting the data can get some 
compensation for that data. Yeah. You know, there's apps on the iPhone and iOS that have a paid version that take the, the ads out. I have a solitaire game like that. Sure. I had the free one for a year, and then I got tired of the ads, and I, I spent, the one, you know, the dollar. <laughs> you know, I spent the whole dollar in one sitting, and now I don't have the ads. So it's an interesting, you know, it's a sort of a quid pro quo. You know, mm-hmm. the ads are what you give. Your eyes have to process through that. Yeah. And unfortunately or fortunately, our society requires money. Mm-hmm. So that people can live. Yeah. And that is the ultimate arbiter of value is we attach it to money. What's fascinating to me is that that the ads are as effective mm-hmm. as they could be. Because if you look at the value proposition in most ads, and this has been proven in email marketing, the reason you get these harebrained emails is because they work. Yeah. And you're like, who in their right mind would click on this? And do something with it. And right. they're not scams necessarily, but they're like, you know, the flex hose, you know, the hose that collapses, you know. And, yeah, yeah. And they were everywhere, you know, and it was it was an intriguing product and it's still out there and all that. And it has its pluses and minuses. But boy, it was everywhere and people were clicking on it and buying it and creating revenue. I guess in some ways, I mean, you could sit there and say, you know, no more ads and we're going to government fund it all and. It just doesn't seem to motivate people to be creative. Hmm. You know, the, the reason Apple innovates in the iPhone area is because they sell them and people pay for them. That's why the iPhone 7 will come out and a bunch of people will go out and buy them. And right, they'll right. be the people that will naturally, you know, attrit basically over time. Oh, I got an old iPhone 4. It's time to get rid of it. I'll get an iPhone 7. Right. It's going to be harder for people that bought iPhone 6s unless they're geeks and they love the new things. Yeah, yeah. But they're not going to see that. But Apple will innovate. You know, Samsung has done some, you know, they're advertising everywhere with their new Galaxy S7. It's waterproof. and it, yeah, you know, yeah, So yeah. it's like, oh, that's cool. You know, being in tech, we have these alliances with the technology. Yeah. That, you know, I'm an iPhone guy. I'm an Android guy. I'm in this. Sure. Most people look at it and say, oh, that's a new phone. It's waterproof. That's a great idea. The next yeah. phone I get, I might do that. They have no idea of this yeah, yeah. Apple versus Samsung environment or google versus apple you know yeah it's just not not that so yeah i do think there's a an opportunity for an entrepreneur they're going to have to be a pretty heavy duty um that can really win alliances but what would be really cool is um there's some work a senior research scientist at ibm did his name is jeff jonas really cool data scientist Mm -hmm. And it's the way in which you can fuzz up data so that you can identify people who are the same people. So, you know, rather than take Paul Parisi and I, I might be listed in one database as Paul Parisi, I might be listed in one as P Parisi, mm-hmm. might be listed in as PD Parisi or Paul D Parisi. How do I fuzz that all up? Okay. One might be uh, 123 Main Street with street spelled out. And 123 Main ST is my address. Mm -hmm. And so what they developed was a mechanism by which the database owner could fuzz that up and create a key that was basically a hash of these fields once they were fuzzied. And we can apply that same algorithm to another people who Mm -hmm. own another database and fuzz that up. And then we could compare and say, hey, do we have any that match? Right. So I could say to you, Mr. American Express... I'd like to buy information on people I already have. Yeah. 
Okay. I see. So how do I do that? Well, I give them your name. No, because <laughs> you're yeah, looking it up in a phone book. No, I, I, I fuzz up my data, and I say, this is people I already have. Right. This is a digital set. Yeah, exactly. And they say, well, we have an overlap there of, uh, of 1,000 or 100,000. Yeah. And we have their spending habits for the past year. Mm. Okay. So they have that data. And I think there could be, I mean, it would be very interesting. There's some really huge problems to come overcome. But to have almost a registry yeah. of the data that companies are doing. Right. Now, how would you, you know, arbitrate who gets access to that? It's, it works in big aggregates, right. but I could probably, it would become a privacy issue because I could say, okay, I know Jacob Young, all right, it's, it could be Jay Young, it could be Jake Young, it could be, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. J.S., you know, so I could do all the permutations of that and fuzz it up in the same way, and then I could submit a query to this national database and get all your information on mm. it. But there's something in there that I think allows us to sort of see what is what do companies know about me right google does this yeah they will let you see everything they have stored and delete it yeah well that's pretty good i would like to see that more and more yeah. so that we could almost have a so somebody could come up with a system that you sell to companies like amazon or google or mm -hmm. whoever it is that says here's how your customers can see what you're storing about them that doesn't exist. They are they're you know, Google has spun their own up. You know, Amazon doesn't show you they you can't go and delete your purchase history. Right. You know, or the fact that you browsed for pink underwear. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh for yourself. You know? yeah. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um but you know, so uh, to be able to interact in a standard fashion with right. a website yeah. data, I think would be, is a huge economic opportunity. To be able to provide those services, that infrastructure. Yeah, excellent. The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at SaviorLabs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young in conjunction with copious amounts of coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pd parisi this episode like all our episodes is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com thanks for listening and we'll see you next week